0: As we enter into studying and into hearing the announcement of justice and mercy, of law and gospel in Micah, this is a prophet of doom to be sure, but he is also a prophet who is proclaiming grace. And he is telling a story that must be heard. He's really preaching several sermons, several oracles here that gets collected into this work throughout his life. But he begins in verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. He wants us to hear. He wants us to hear who is speaking. He has a story to tell and he wants us to know who's telling it. I can still smell, speaking of campfires and storytelling, the campfire smell and the warmth of the fire colliding with the chill of the outside as I went to outdoor education camp as a young boy. And I can still remember the vibrato of Mr. Sullivan's voice as he told stories that captured our imagination. I wanted to be a storyteller like that. I couldn't wait to be a storyteller like that. Today, the same technology that allows us to be connected during these social distant days allows not just one storyteller, but many, right? We all get to tell the story. We don't just read a book on Kindle. We can, we can publish one on Kindle. We don't just get to watch movies on YouTube. We get to make our own movies. That's why it's called YouTube, right? We don't just get to hear about stories, we get to tell our own on podcasts. We don't just get to listen to others' music, we can post our own on SoundCloud. And so, the listeners have become the tellers. And in so many ways, we've become storytellers ourselves. And so because of that, there are so many voices out there, even in epic storytelling stories that have become part of our culture, stories like Star Wars. My son tells me that, and he enjoys being one himself, that there are many theorists out there about stories like Star Wars. Theorists not in the scientific field, but in the storytelling field. Theorists of, uh, of imagination who think about, well, what could happen next in the story, and they Tell those stories on podcasts and YouTube channels. They theorize what maybe should have happened or what could happen. They make their own fan movies. So much so that my head turned and spun one day when he said, well, that story's not canon. I said, what? Canon? I'd only understood canon up till then and only used that word in the context of the canon of God's word, the authorized version, but Star Wars fans are wise to note that as they make all of these different theories and different paths and different fan stories, they need to remember what the authorized version is. And so they call it, among the dedicated fans, the canon. And isn't it interesting As so many voices come at us today in our world. As so many voices came at Israel, now no longer Israel, now Judah in the south and Israel to the north. And when he talks about Samaria, he's talking about the the capital in the northern kingdom. And he talks about Jerusalem and Micah, he's talking about the capital to the southern kingdom. And so they who hear so many voices then, and we who hear so many voices now, we have to ask this question. What canon is? are you listening to? What's the authorized version? What voice are you hearing? And so that question comes before us today, and Micah says, the voice that you need to hear, O people of God, O Samaria, O Jerusalem, O Albuquerque, is the voice of the one true God. In 2 Peter chapter one, The Apostle Peter picks this up when he writes, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to Micah, through Micah, to the people there eight centuries before Christ. And the same Holy Spirit who speaks to us now through Micah on this day, yes, the prophet of doom in 2020. And he speaks to us yet today. And as we listen to this prophet, as we listen to the Holy Spirit today, let's discern the canon, the authorized version, the one that brings the full counsel of God. The full counsel of God, both the the justice and the mercy, not one or the other. We need to listen to both. As we sometimes call it in uh, our Lutheran services, law and gospel. And so, is it the law and gospel that we're hearing? Or are we making some other new high places, new other places of worship, as Micah will talk about? I know Israel did, that's the kingdom to the north. And I know Judah did, that's the kingdom to the south. Samaria and Jerusalem both were guilty of worshiping other gods and other idols and making other things their high places. There are so many voices speaking to them then, so many voices speaking to them now. Let's pick on uh, young people. 15 to 23-year-olds, one researcher pointed out, listen to all kinds of voices, in particular voices on a screen, about 2,767 hours worth in a given year. Compare that to 191 hours on average of spiritual content. It's a lot of voices to sift through. But before we pick on those 15 to 23-year-olds, let's remember that how many of us start our day on social media or in the newspaper or on cable news instead of in the Word of God? Oh, there's voices coming at us too. Yes, indeed, we need to sift through all those voices to hear the author and perfecter of our faith, the canon, the authorized voice. That authorized voice is proclaiming justice and mercy, law and gospel, to put under it all that we do at work, all that we do in schooling, All that we do in governing, all that we do in parenting, all that we do in retiring, all that we do in grandparenting, all that we do in friending. Yes, all that we do in all kinds of ING words, all that we do even in worshiping. And so when our story is focused, and oftentimes, let's face it, you and I, we like to to trend to one or the other. I like that idea of justice so I can point to the people over there and tell you how bad they are. And I like the idea of mercy because, oh, those laws, they're so outdated. Come on, just let's go with the gospel, right? Micah is a prophet who refuses to allow us to do one or the other, to speak to just Jerusalem or Samaria, but to speak to each of us. We can't just point to the other guy. You know, when we Christians just tell one side of the story and we look at a godless world through the same eyes as some of those in Jerusalem did and say, look at those people in Samaria, aren't they getting it wrong? Micah says, no, Jerusalem, the the conviction is coming to you too. Do we, like Micah, actually weep over a godless world around us and pray for it? and love it, and love our neighbor, and proclaim the good news of justice and mercy, the good news of law and gospel? Or are we, as one scholar, put it more heartless than that, and denounce the sins of a culture, but make little effort to point out the way to God's mercy? Friends, we can't reject and can never reject God's law because, as Luther points out, it diagnoses our sin. It lets us know our brokenness. It doesn't allow us to just do whatever we want, whether it is in business and just call it, well, that's just business and leave it there, or whether it's in ignoring the needy and poor among us, or whether it's in choosing what we take in on a screen or or what it is we do with our sexual ethics or, our, or, or our, our ethics at school or wherever it may be. We need that law to diagnose us. But that's not the end. It diagnoses us. It gives us a diagnosis, but then a prescription. And the prescription is mercy, God's mercy, the gospel. Look, I know it's hard to tell the truth when everyone has their own canon, right? Right? And sometimes we confuse agreement with truth. Or we choose agreement and confuse that as love and forget that we need both law and gospel to tell the full picture of love. As one scholar put it, unbelieving secular humans oftentimes have trouble seeing the connection between the immoral behavior and sinful uh, nature of our hearts with the cycles of brokenness in our world. And so we need the truth of God's word to break in. And with that truth, it doesn't break in just to the other guy, it breaks in to us and our hearts to tremble before him. I like how David Zoll puts it in his book "Securosity." The objects of our secularosity, the things that you and I often pursue, things like food and romance and education and children and technology and so on, aren't somehow bad. Quite the opposite. They are by and large, he writes, great. It's only when we lean on these things for our enoughness, when we co-opt them for our self-justification or make their, them out to be arbiters of salvation itself that they turn toxic. And therefore, they bring about what we thought would be salvation. They actually bring about our doom. That's what happened in the day of Micah. They built up these high places, these places of worship of other gods, and missed the canon voice, the one true voice of the one true God. As we turn the page into this first chapter from the verse 7 verses of this pronouncement into the next chapter, verses from 8 to 16, about what this pronouncement looks like personally and individually and in the life of the Northern and Southern Kingdom and in your life and mine, Uh, I was a little bit discouraged when I was reading Luther's lecture on this chapter and he, he talked about verses 8 through 16. He said, well, the first thing I'll say is these next verses are really hard to understand. Because in Hebrew, he writes with puns, puns that we wouldn't first hear. Hebrewisms, little f- turns of phrases that we wouldn't recognize. In fact, Luther will talk about all the prophets of being tough to understand. So as we go through Micah together over these weeks, and I pray that you read it with me, and you'll dig into these 16 verses throughout the week of chapter 1 let 's unpack it and discover the pronunciation the pronouncement of god 's justice and mercy that 's being proclaimed to you and I and hear it more clearly, for example, as we get into these latter verses, we hear him list these cities, and those cities don 't just proclaim their condemnation there they proclaim something about you and I, for example, Jesus even referenced the city of Shafir or beauty town, a city who celebrates their beauty in the world as opposed to laying up the treasures that have come from God in heaven, imperishable treasures. Or the people of those of Zanon, which means the go forth town, who people who go forth boldly on behalf of their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom establishing flimsy walls of their own security, one scholar put it. Instead, those flimsy walls will bring about their judgment. And then there's people of Maruth. It's particularly poignant these days during these political seasons. It's called Bittertown, who took to the powerful rulers of their world as their sweet protection instead of God himself. Oh, I'm saddened. On so many times when I hear Christians of both political elk over these weeks, when they hear their political party doing maybe just a little better here or there, whichever one it may be, and both have said and I've heard say and seen on Facebook, oh, I finally have some hope. Oh, I hope not. I hope that you don't take your hope from the leaders of this world, as important as it may be, and in true and good for us as Christians to be involved in the political process, that's not where our hope is found. Or how about the people of Lachish? What he is noticing there, and he's making reference to in Hebrew, is their reliance, believe it or not, on Technology and their trust in technology. You know what technology they were leaning on? The chariot. Oh, we'll be safe, we've got chariots. Well, we lean on all kinds of technology, don't we? And if we're not careful, as good and as loving and as great as it is that we're connected through some of these means of technology, it will also get us in trouble. And you can see all the kinds of ways it can, don't you? I was reading just this last week of a man who was riding in his self-driving car playing video games right up until the point that he ran into a police car. Oh yeah, if we're not careful with these good things, they'll become high places and a crash is coming. Or rulers like those in Marissa, the possession town, who took possession by conquest, by any means, Oh, when we go after things that, well, it, it's good for me, so I should be allowed to take it however I can, right? Oh, Micah, as we'll go through this book, he's tough on governing leaders and priests. None of us will be out from under the justice of God. Because, as he'll write, they no longer are in God's habitation. We heard that in the psalm as well. Their citizenship is being taken from them. And so you might be asking at this point, where's the hope? (laughs) As Micah wails and laments, well, the hope begins with his very name. His name itself, Micah, is a Hebrew sentence. A Hebrew sentence, which means, who is like our God? Who is like our God who brings both justice and mercy? Who is like our God ultimately revealed and the one who would come to restore all things in Jesus? For Jesus didn't tolerate sin when He was on the cross. He didn't tolerate our sin. He died for it. That's how serious He takes justice. How serious He takes He takes the law. And when Micah and Psalm 79 talk about being brought down to the foundation, Jesus talked about that too, didn't he? He said when this temple is torn down, in three days it will be risen up. You see, the author of the canon, the author and perfecter of our faith, he's the only one that can bring us up out of the rubble of our sin. And through the power of the resurrection, bring us, diagnosed by justice, diagnosed by the law, to mercy, to the gospel. The gospel builds us up. And the weight then is no longer on your shoulders. How well you parent, how good you are at work. The weight of your salvation isn't upon you. It's on the shoulders of Christ Himself. And then we can really live under justice and mercy. And so as you read in verse 16 of Micah and you hear this call to radical repentance, it is a call to turn back to the author of our canon, the author, the one voice that Micah invites us to listen to, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. So remember that he has already done the work on the cross to build you back up again. So indeed, we will discover as we go through Micah, our mess, and our mess is plentiful. But we'll also encounter God's masterpiece. And that masterpiece leads us to mercy leads us to Jesus. Leads us to a little town in Bethlehem where all things will be made new. Amen.